Hello and welcome to Don't Talk About It. I'm your host, Dean D, and today I have another brother from another mother. My friend, Father Joel Maurano. Father, how are you here? Hey. It was a pleasure to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, Dean, it has been too long. I have not seen this cat in over six months. And for those who don't know Dean or have never met Dean, he has a face for TV, where I have a face for radio. He's a 36-year-old who looks like 22, and he makes me extremely jealous by his good looks and his intellect. But I am really happy to see you. It's been a long time, brother. I agree. It has been way too long. I mean, this is, I mean, you're somebody who I saw five days a week. I mean, every day. And then we're usually talking on weekends. And since you and I, or since the pandemic, you know, it's, it's totally changed. And I mean, this is a first time that I think I've seen you in person in a long time. I mean, it's been months since I've seen you in person. And um, for somebody who collaborates together often um the phone is great but we just got to be realistic um there is just certain things that do not transmit virtually and it's it's a pleasure to have you be uh sharing presence with you man uh, welcome to the show i'm glad you're here i'm honored to be here and, it, and it's it it uh i had to grieve your loss i mean we didn't talk for several months um after uh, you left the manor and it's um, I don't know if we ever need to do a show on grief but we can talk about that too but the grieving of losing a good friend a co-worker and a mate um, and now I get to see you again and you invited me to your show so I'm honored hey thank you sir so today we are not just here to BS. A little bit of it, but not not a ton. We are here. Oh, that's all I do. <laughs> I do have to admit, the hardest part of this show is going to be probably putting a muzzle on him. So, Father Joel is um, somebody who is very involved with stress, depression, anxiety, trauma. He's he lives it. He's around it. Um, I mean, working in hospice, I mean, you constantly are just submerged into traumatic environments, and you have daily traumas, and then you have these major traumas like the pandemic, um, the, Al the Alameda fire, you know, where we had to evacuate the, in a lot of the valley, and you're one of those first responders. I mean, people are there physically to put out the fires but you are there physically to help people's mental wellness and so it's very fitting that today our topic is trauma and we're talking about growth that happens with trauma major trauma we're also talking about trauma awareness like do we actually recognize trauma and which brings us to the title of this show, which is called I'm Perfectly Fine. <laughs> I thought it was very fitting. 
And what I've realized, and he, Father Joel and I got into these conversations the other day, and um, you might hear me call FJ over the, the phone or over the podcast here. It's a little nickname I have, mainly because I'm too lazy to say your full Father Joel Marana name. But from that, we've developed FJ. And I've realized in our conversations over the past few months that there's different levels of coping with daily traumas, being able to recognize when they happen, when minor and major traumas happen, how we respond to them, and then does any change come from it? Do we actually live through the trauma and just keep going full bore, full steam ahead? Do we hit that iceberg? Or do we learn how to scout a little bit more and see things before they're too close to react and have no change? So on that, let's start with what has been, let's start personal. What has been the hardest for you or the biggest epiphany with this COVID trauma that we're going through, the, some of those major changes. I mean, because you work in a demographic that is what is considered the sensitive demographic. So it's not like, you know, you're working construction, you're just working by yourself out in the middle of nowhere, you're not wearing a mask because you're only going to affect yourself. I mean, you are in a completely different world right now. I mean, a lot of the country has moved on for some reason after the fires happened here in Oregon, it was like COVID went away with the fires or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but there's a lot of people who have almost seemed to move past it. Like it's like, it's gone on long enough. I'm over it. Let's, let's move forward. But that's not your reality. You're more like a hospital. You're seeing it day to day and so I know you and I have two totally different perspectives here, which has led to very enlightening conversations because the biggest thing that we miss is stepping out of our own shoes to see what somebody else is experiencing. And I think by you and I sharing, we've been able to both grow from this. And I've said enough for right now, so let's turn it over to FJ on those tops. You go first, bud. Well, well, Brother Dean, I'm thinking about, um, in your own words, I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Sorry, that's the cheesiness of our relationship coming out right now. I don't really want to talk about it. You know, when you were talking, I was noticing two things. One, what was being said in my heart. And two, man, this dude is good looking. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm straight, but this guy's good looking. Secondly, I was thinking about, I remember years ago, I went to uh, a conference at the University of North Texas on management and leadership, and the person who was coordinating the conference, we, we became close friends, and we were talking once, and I said, I don't know what that's like. And she stopped me. She goes, but you know what pain is like. You know what anxiety is like. Uh, you know what uh, grieving is like. And I said, yeah. And I said, then then, in, take that and work from there. And I realized 
that pain is pain and so regardless of what age group or target group or whether I'm at the hospital where I'm a chaplain uh, part-time or I'm, I do hospice part-time or I, I do consulting part-time or I'm at the manor full-time uh, where I uh, direct spiritual care and well-being you and I have the same experiences in the sense that we have the similarities of we notice people who are in pain we notice our own pain and we know that uh, um, there is a, a, a deeper thing a very deep thing that connects us and that's called our humanity or our spirit mm -hmm. and so with that I realize that I may have a specific area that I work in and I see trauma associated with that but everybody that in a long way everybody's experienced some form of trauma so we we get to share the similarities of creating a narrative around that that being said you brought up a really good point I'm gonna stop you right there one thing that I question is the comparative trauma. I have realized that so many people go through trauma and they don't recognize it because it's almost like instantly discredited. They know somebody who had it worse. So theirs doesn't doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's it's minimal. And and then we lift that rug and we sweep it underneath it because our trauma isn't that bad or what we went through is minimal compared to somebody else that we know. But the question that I have at hand is, isn't that just kind of an easy way out of not being accountable? Because if you don't recognize it as trauma, then it almost reminds me a little bit of like, the person who stops by 7-Eleven every day to pick up a, you know, 44-ounce Mountain Dew, and you're like, hey, man, I think you might have a little soda addiction. And they're like, oh, no, it's fine. Like, my buddy drinks, like, 10 of these a day. So do you recognize, and I hear what you're saying is, we, even though we're in different environments, the theory and the effect of what is happening is across the board so whether it is that like for example with me one of the biggest changes that we've had is being out of work my wife is the the breadwinner into our family and i'm just gonna tell you man that kind of hurts my fucking ego a little bit <laughs> you know and, and there's no justifiable justifiable reason for it you know it's yeah. just like but i discredit it and i say oh it's no big deal i'm just happy that we can pay all our bills and stay afloat but i'm sweeping this nagging traumatic event that is hitting my emotional side but i'm not recognizing it because it's not a hospital environment or I'm not in ICU with COVID. So it's not that bad. It's not that bad. I'm perfectly fine. And that's almost what I hear is you saying is that it's like, even though you and I are experiencing different environments, there is trauma all the way across the board. And there is these moments of discrediting yourself. But the question is, to end this with back to you is do you think that boils down to a lack of awareness or do you think that boils down to a lack 
of wanting to be accountable. And it reminds me of your car. If your car's broken, you can either go on YouTube and learn how to fix it, or you can drop it off at the dealer. One of them requires a lot of work, the other one does not. So the question at hand is, do you think that it is people are looking for the easy out? Or do you think that they just don't even know their car's broken, there's a noise, and they don't even hear it? Yes. <laughs> Anytime you ask a preacher about a theological question and give him two alternatives, the preacher's going to say yes. <laughs> so, yes. Um, well, first and foremost... You're so I, helpful. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I, I know it. Um, <clears throat> first and foremost, you know, I'm, I'm not a trauma therapist, although I play one on a radio program. <laughs> Second of all, I can only really speak with authority on my own trauma. But yes, uh, I think I'm going to go back to your initial question and or initial statement. Anytime we get into the road of, of playing the comparison game, what I have and what you don't have or what, what I'm going through or what you're going through, I think it creates an imbalance. And the imbalance usually comes with a distortive narrative. And that distortive narrative often uh, gives credibility to our dysfunctional behaviors. So <laughs> I don't have it this bad. Uh, I should be thankful for what I do have. Well, that's a false gratitude. That's not genuine gratitude. That's just looking at someone else and saying, well, I'm not as bad as that SOB. Uh, and so therefore, I must be doing well. No, I, I think anytime we enter the comparison game or we look at ourselves um, with, with even a healthy model and then begin to compare it and then maybe feel bad about ourselves because we can't live up to those expectations or feel better about ourselves, which is a false pride, we do, we do damage to, the, to, our, to our healthy identity. Um, and with regards to your question, um, I think there's a universe, universality of a trauma that we have to examine, you know, not necessarily examine, but identify that people have trauma um, and that we have our own trauma. And let's get in touch with our own trauma first before we project it on others. Uh, and there's a great theologian, a writer named Henri Nouwen, who wrote the book Wounded Healer. He goes, we could be a wounded healer or we could be a wounded wounder, and out of our own wounds, we wound other people. And then I think the evolution, we want to be a healing healer. And so with regards to your question of uh, people examining their own stuff and, and beginning open about it, I think there's a healthy way of doing that. Um, that happens often through therapy, happens through support, happens through role modeling, which I shared with you prior to the radio program, that you've been a role model for me in many ways. Um, I paid him to say yeah, that. Yeah, 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 he paid me with the genuine friendship, <laughs> and that's far and few between. Thank you, thank you. But, <laughs> and so there, but, you know, to go back to the question, you know, I can only speak, you know, in in, in February, you know, I was, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a former veteran. Uh, I'm a former firefighter. 
and I'm a child of alcoholism. So I saw quite a bit of trauma in my day uh, and probably uh, engaged in some trauma, uh, depending if you want to talk to my friends or children. Um, probably my right now my children would say me being so cheap has traumatized them. <laughs> but, but, but with regards to my own trauma, you know, it's, 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 it's out of my own awareness from the fact that there's some healing that needs to take place in my life and some awareness that needs to take place in my life about some of my dysfunctional behaviors. And so being a, being a soldier, a former soldier, and being a former firefighter, and in February I realized I was having some anticipatory trauma, uh, like anticipatory grief. I realized that we were about ready to go through some stuff, and I watched my, my own body my own mind and my own spirit go through a very anxious time and I started acting out of that anxiety and I realized right then and there it's time for me to go get some therapy so I did I did go actually to an expert in trauma uh, psychology um, and uh, he's been a great counselor uh, I saw him for a couple of times felt like it was good um, I will continue to go back to him in in the coming year but he helped me and helped me with the awareness of realizing I was going through secondary uh, PTSD. Uh, I was witnessing the trauma of other people mm -hmm. and I was wrestling with that as a caregiver. And that was very helpful to get that information. You know, oftentimes we'll have an epiphany. Mm -hmm. And at that time I had an epiphany. I realized what was, I didn't realize I had to have someone else pronounce it over me in the sense helped me become aware but then I began to work through it and so during the beginning of the pandemic and even now I'm at a much healthier state than I would have been if I didn't identify the trauma inside me wow okay I think I'm going to start with this question what are you doing differently now because I want to touch base on awareness. Like, for example, how did you recognize it in the first place? Because I think that is an issue that is across the board. So many people don't recognize that they're the frog in boiling water until they're already cooked. So I think awareness is definitely something we'll get to on this show. But the question at hand for now, what are you doing differently today that's helping you manage that trauma? that you weren't doing in February? Because I know you're not still seeing the counselor. You had said that. So how are you self-managing? That's a, that's a subjective question, so I'm going to give you a subjective answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I still like food. Mm -hmm. But the most simplest way I can say that respond to that question and there's many tentacles to to the to the statement oh it's 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 yeah. like the question and then uh, just a firework explosion of possibilities yeah. after that so I know we're really simplifying it for the show yeah. um, but I mean this is the stuff we're not supposed to talk about so we're talking about it 
I think the easiest answer or the most simple answer and the most specific answer I can give you is I'm honest with myself. Yeah. I'm honest with myself. I'm honest with both my uh, likes Mm -hmm. and my dislikes, my internal challenges, uh, the threats that I may feel externally or internally, my hopes, my unrealistic hopes, Mm -hmm. um, as well as uh, my, my, my desires. Um, and I'm honest also with my internal challenges. And, um, that would be the first thing I would say. I'm, I'm honest. I'm more honest with myself. So it also sounds like you are taking the time to slow down, to allow your inner self to speak. Would, would that be true? I mean, or is it, I guess what I'm asking is you're honest with yourself. So back in February, did you recognize those feelings and then push them aside? Or did you not recognize them at all? I guess trying to pinpoint how you're being more honest with yourself. Yeah, I think uh, most of the time I've I've recognized them in the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then in February, I was being honest with myself. Um, I haven't yet reached the level of maturity of slowing down I'm trying but it's just not my bandwidth it's not my DNA and so um, it's a goal it's a it's a it's a continuous go mm-hmm. goal to slow down but my personality as well as my um, wounds mm-hmm. propel me oftentimes to speed up and so yeah um, uh, the slow down is a definitely mantra of mine um i don't know if i've slowed down because the need has been so great so i don't want to i don't want to bs anybody on this program but i'm not sure i've ever slowed down at the level of being uh, of, of listening to my heart as well as i could be so on that would you i'm going to ask you another question here putting you on the spot would you say that you are listening to yourself more like for example i'm heading to the hospital for a hospice um i don't want to call it appointment because it's really not an appointment but interaction and i am overwhelmed and i'm going to push through this is maybe february versus now would you say is it more like i'm overwhelmed So I'm going to park in the parking lot. I'm going to take five extra minutes. I'm going to make sure I'm totally recouped to the best of my ability. And I'm going to set a boundary that I'm only going to be there for 20 minutes. So I guess what I'm saying is, yeah, in February, you were honest with yourself. But were you actually listening? Hmm. You ask a good question. Um. <laughs> I know I'm a real sob. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, it. I know it. You know, I body slam my therapist for asking me that question. <laughs> That's a really good question, brother Dean. Um, I think it depends on the week of how well I take care of myself. You know, I want to be honest since I'm not. Uh, I don't need to promote. Uh, a business <laughs> or promote a service such as spiritual direction to others. I can be honest on this program. I think it depends on the week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, it took me at least three weeks to get over the fire because not only did we evacuate the manor residence, I also helped out with the fire department and helped out with victims. And so with that, I didn't think it would take me three weeks, but it took me three weeks after the first initial week to get my equilibrium. And that meant I could begin the study. I'm trying to finish a doctorate. Um, I could begin to refocus some of my energies other than to the immediate, but to the important, as Covey would say, what's important and immediate should be first. Well, the important got bypassed to I just needed to take care of myself at that time, and that time was, you know, turning off the on button and mm-hmm. just uh, doing um, short-term res- uh, uh, responsibilities. And so, yeah, that that depends. Uh, I think I'm I'm better. I think the second answer to my question, not to bypass your res- my response to you, but accountability is real important to me. One of the things I missed at the manor with you is that we had accountability centered around wellness and that was very important because uh, if you have accountability at home and accountability at work uh, you're much more holistic if if you don't have accountability where you're spend most of your time work mm-hmm. then your accountability and probably your life is incomplete and so uh, accountability has been important mm-hmm. in my life, both as a, as, a, as a priest and as a practitioner and as a, a spouse and as a, a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with that, I've come to understand uh, there are some areas in my life that are shadows. I'm u- using a Jungian term. Mm-hmm. And I've had good, good people, many of the residents at the manor have been good models for me. Uh, and been supportive uh, of me in the programs that I do. But to answer your question, I think it, it, it depends on how well I'm taking care of myself if I'm listening to myself. I am so glad you said that. That is such a great segue into our next conversation. But I think it's extremely honest, and people really need to hear that even the professionals struggle. I mean, me as a wellness professional, like six dimensions of wellness, I'm supposed to be able to tell everybody, and I do it really well, how to balance their life. And it's like, you know, I can see these things that they don't see. And then as soon as I say them, they're like, oh oh, yeah. But what I realized with myself is it's so much harder to take that level of well-being and take what you preach, you know, it's that practice what you preach. And the practice, I'm just going to tell you, it's really, really damn hard. And it's good, though. That's the weird thing is it is so hard. But at the end of the day, like I go to bed feeling so much better about the decisions I've made for the day, how I feel about myself. And I guess like part of it is just being out of fucks to give and it's like I'm going to pay attention to myself first because if I can't help myself then I can't help anybody else. So I, I love the fact that you said that it depends on the week because as a wellness professional I still struggle with these things that I constantly counsel people on. And you struggle with the things that you constantly counsel people on. 
And I think that's really important for people to know and hear because from an outside perspective, like you seem like you got your shit together. I seem like I have my emotions at bay. I've got them all wrangled up and I can talk to the emotion that I want to and have a cordial conversation and go from there. But then there's some days I feel like I'm getting beat in the face by my emotions and there's everything that I try to do with all my professional skills and knowledge and like the scientific fact is there, but I still can't convince myself to believe it. Mm. And, and I feel like that is so important to hear because people go to therapist and that recognition that you need external help is also very important to know because a lot of growth after trauma or coping with daily minor traumas a lot of times requires an out outside perspective and one thing that i'll share with you that i've learned about myself is awareness having so much better awareness is what has allowed me to be more honest with myself. Like you talk about being honest with yourself. I feel like I need to be aware in order to be honest because honesty is great, but if you're keeping your eyes closed, what are you really seeing? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. (laughs) I think you, I think you ask it. You've asked many great questions, but I, what are three areas? <laughs> and I'll answer the question afterwards, too. But uh, I have to think about them, so I'm going to put you on the spot first. That's called manipulation. <laughs> You're good at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to say one other thing I forgot. You know, one of the tattletale signs to how well I'm doing is how well my kids are doing. Because oftentimes Ooh. they will pick up the anxiety or the toxicity of their parents. And if they start acting out, you want to, you know, criticize them or you want to discipline them and you realize, hmm, I wonder where they're getting this from. Sounds like you listened to the episode from earlier that was called Projection Reflection. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'd still like those three questions. Yeah, Yeah. Projection Reflection. Uh, No, no, I lived there for 53 years. (laughs) That's That's why I know that. But, uh, but you know, my 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 my, uh, my question is: What are three ways that you, um, and then I'll answer it, have become more aware of who you are? What are three things? I mean, accountability we've already shared. It's good to get feedback from our friends and our close relatives, our close loved ones, who will then give us feedback. But what are what are three ways that? Because you just said awareness, which I agree with, is important towards growth. Um, what are three ways that you uh, practice awareness? All right, you are putting me on the spot, but I, I feel like I'm ready for this one. Um, so the, f- the first thing that I have done to practice awareness has been the hardest thing I have done. I've stood in front of the mirror for a really long time with my eyes closed. So in order to become more aware, I had to open my eyes and I had to look 
I know I have that pimple right under my eye that I don't like. And it's going to pop any day, but I don't like it. My nose is a little crooked. You know, all these things that you start to get down on yourself for. And I'm talking physical, but like there's six different dimensions of your well-being. And you criticize all six dimensions when you open your eyes and you start looking. And that criticism is what I call constructive criticism. Because if you're criticizing yourself, that means you don't like it. And if you don't like it, that means you're going to put in an effort to change. Or you're just going to be a hypocrite. And you're going to close your eyes again, and then you're not going to look at that mirror. So the first thing I've done to better my awareness is to open my eyes and actually look at myself how I see me instead of how the world sees me. I can constantly get, oh, you do such a great job. I love your energy. You ask great questions. Um, you're, you know, such a skilled wellness professional. I mean, yada, yada, yada. I can sit here and flatter my ego all day. But when I open my eyes, is that what I see? And that has been my biggest moment. Um, however, I didn't get there without talking to a therapist. So I would say like a lot of ways to increase awareness is to talk to a professional. They know exactly what's going on with you. And to be realistic, your friends probably know what's going on with you. They all talk about this shit behind your back, right? You know, oh my God, FJ, like his, fr oh my God, he blah, 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 and blah, 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 blah. So if you don't want to see a therapist, ask your friend. Seriously, just ask him, what is your genuine opinion about me? I'm doing this for self-growth and see what they say. You, you, and you know what I heard when I did that? Because I, I won't say anything I haven't done. I grew up with a super hypocritical father, and that is my biggest pet peeve. I will not say anything I haven't actually done. And so when, when I started looking at these like questions about myself, like am I actually paying attention to myself? Am I actually being honest with myself? Am I actually seeing what I need to see, or am I seeing what I want to see? And then being accountable to work on it and understand that these things that I don't like are things that I need to change in order for me to get more content with myself. So number, I guess, number two would be ask a friend, see a therapist, get an external perspective. We can always go online and Google things to self-validate. You're not going to make any progress self-validating you need sometimes an outside perspective to kind of kick you in the dick, so to say, and just be like, oh, yeah, you're right, damn it. But the third thing is probably the biggest thing that has increased my awareness is uh, meditation. Mm. And here's why. When I get anxious is usually when I start acting irrational. Because I'm trying to suppress an emotion instead of genuinely support who I am. Instead of that, I am suppressing an emotion, which is anxiety. And so what meditation has done for me 
is it's allowed me to focus on my body. And through meditation, I've realized that my heartbeat goes up probably about 30, 40, 50, 60 beats per minute when I start getting anxious. So because I'm meditating daily and I'm paying more attention to my body, I'm more aware of my body throughout the day. And what I've realized from this is that I recognize my heartbeat instantly as soon as it starts to come up. And I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting anxious. I'm supporting an emotion. I suppress it, or not suppress it. I let it, I put duct tape over its mouth and let it sit with me. And then I say, how do I genuinely feel about this? So in order to increase awareness, the three things I do is those. I spoke with a counselor. I got, I always get external input all the time. There, I mean, honestly, I asked my wife, I talked to my friends. I, I asked a friend one time if they were to describe me in one word, what would they say? You know what they said? Overwhelming. You have a ton of energy, a ton of enthusiasm, a ton of emotion. You're a super happy guy. But when you come through here, positive or not, you are a whirlwind. And being vulnerable enough to accept that that is constructive criticism for growth. And it's not a dig on your ego, which you need to put aside before you start becoming aware. Because if you try to do awareness with an ego, you're just lying to yourself again. So, great question, FJ. I'm going to turn it back to you. This is where I say, those are the exact answers that I had. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought about those questions, and I think the first and foremost, um, for me, being um, religious slash spiritual, prayer or contemplation or meditation, I take uh, my relationship with, with the divine, with God, with the higher power, um, very intimately and so when I engage in prayer I allow the holy to um, help me reflect on my life and to show me areas of my life that either needed to be enlightened uh, needed to be addressed or needed to be celebrated so the first and foremost I would say is prayer the second I would say is reflection from others uh, whether it be a therapist or a friend or even my children or I get a lot of good uh, reflection uh, from residents at the manor uh, I engage in relationships where we have a uh, uh, in, uh, a mutually supporting and a mutually reflecting relationship and so um, oftentimes I will get good questions Socratically I'll get good questions to ask myself and to ask um, others and then I think third uh, the one area that we might be just a little bit different in but I know you have a deep heart for service uh, for me uh, relationship is very important in relationship by serving others uh, it's not that I serve others because I need God's love or I need acclamation, or I need to feel better about myself. I serve mother, others because I, I believe it's part of my DNA that comes from my spiritual relationship with God. And it's in serving 
and being with. And it doesn't have to necessarily be serving, but that's what happens often. But it's be being with others that uh, that uh, my identity emerges. Mm -hmm. It's as uh, uh, the word from uh, uh, Africa, South Africa, uh, I am because we are. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it's 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 just not an independent. My my uh, identity isn't independent but actually interdependent with others and being in community with others. And so that often gives me awareness. Well said, sir. I'm going to piggyback onto your awareness real fast with one other thing. So you know Ram Dass, and his biggest thing, be here now. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like that is a critical statement for awareness. And here's why. One of the things I realized about myself that I'm going to add my fourth to your question. You know, three wasn't enough. I got to do fourth. <laughs> I got to one up. Yeah, I'm a dick. <laughs> so, so the fourth one that I'm talking this is, about. This is what happens when you get two men in the same room. Yeah, you got to one up each other. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I just realized I lose at the end of the day because I'm like five six and you're like six two. So that's kind of the end of it. Um, so, but but in all seriousness. The biggest thing that I see in people is that we are always calculating our next move instead of thinking about our current move. And why I reflect back to Ramdas about being here now is in order for me to be aware, I have to be present. And if I'm on to the next, then I don't have time to sit down and look in that mirror then I'm not actually listening to what is happening in the current moment and learning from it. So my fourth is to be present. Be here now. Because if you're somewhere else, you are not at all going to learn one damn thing from what you're currently experiencing. You have any two cents on that one? I do. Okay. I, I figured it, you, the look on your face looks like it triggered something, so let's hear it. Well, I just want to say, uh, unapologetically, I am the poster child for nostalgia for being present last year. And <laughs> my wife will even agree that I am Mr. Nostalgia. And my coworkers will say, I am the poster child for thinking about the future, for jumping on and anticipating and projecting and um, uh, uh, directing towards what might take place in the future to identify needs that may emerge in the future. I 100% stink at being here now. So, I mean, it should be in my top five. It's not even in my top 25. <laughs> so, knowing that, knowing that I am not wired to be here now, unless I have a smartphone, then I'm on the smartphone, and my 11-year-old my, my has to take it away from me. Yeah, which is actually a distraction. It's not being present. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you always got to rain on my parade, don't you, D? <laughs> yes, that's correct. 
So what I do is I, I, I intentionally try to put structure in my life so that I'm in the present because it is not part of my natural ability. And it hasn't been, whether because of trauma or whether because of personality or whether because of cultural differences. So I intentionally put things in my life, uh, whether it be intentional time with my children, when my, my oldest, 16, 16 now, when he was two years old, mm -hmm. I knew I didn't have the energy to be with him when I came home from work as a chaplain at a hospital. So I created a time on Saturday morning where we'd have Poppy and Michael time. Mm -hmm. And so every Saturday morning we'd go out and whether we'd go get chocolate milk or whether we'd go get a snack or whether we'd go to the park, we'd always have Poppy and Michael time. And that was important because I wouldn't do it unless I structured it. And then of course when one time we were out getting a donut and I grabbed the, the, uh, <laughs> the, uh, newspaper uh and looked at uh, the the auto trader and looked at it and i said look at that orange piece of crap and about a week later we're sitting we're driving past someone's house and my son says at two years old look at that orange piece of crap <laughs> i see you've been a great influence yeah, i've been a great influence so so my intention to be with him was goodwilled but my behaviors took over and I mentored him in a way that we still laugh about today. And it does. In in that, even though you know we're joking through here, is you know yourself, which means in order to know yourself, you need to be aware, in at some level. And so, you know, we've talked about like major trauma, micro trauma, and like flipping back to major trauma just real quick. Like, we've all experienced major trauma from this pandemic at some level. You know, whether it's a job change, whether it's... I mean, I don't have kids, but I empathize and I feel sorry for all those parents out there that used to have a babysitter and now they have two kids at home and now they're working from home. And I actually saw this one meme where it was like a mother on the computer typing and right behind her was her child duct tape to the floor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, that it was would, that would happen in my house. Right. It was just me. But but it's like we recognize this as change, but it's it's a traumatic change and it's having some effect on us in some way. And so, like, what I've realized is that the people who do better with these micro-traumas, who are more aware, who meditate, who do yoga, who go for a walk, who are just... I guess what I'm really saying is the people who make themselves a priority. And I'm not talking, like, egotistically. Like, like I was the first person to get the new iPhone. Like, yeah, fuck that. Like, that's not what I'm talking about. But what I'm talking about is the people who make their mental health, their physical health, their emotional health, their social health, like a priority. Those are the people who I realize do so much better in daily trauma. So when major trauma like a pandemic happens, like COVID, they don't hit that iceberg. They don't hit that brick wall. They see the iceberg and they actually have enough time to correct the ship and go around it. And they see it. It's there. But they don't let it hit them directly. 
And so for me, this daily trauma versus major trauma, there is a correlation in it. And I've realized, like, especially with my friends, the people who have really good coping habits are the people who are doing well through this pandemic. The people whose coping habits is a bottle or the television with Netflix and ignoring your whole family because you're in another room, you're in your man cave or wherever you are, like, the people who recognize, who feel trauma and then kick it to the curb are the ones that I see are struggling to no end because what ultimately happens is if you don't make yourself a priority on the daily, you're not going to make yourself a priority on the pandemic side, on a major trauma. And if nobody... I guess what I'm trying to say is if the only person who's going to help you is you. And I, I think until we start taking those first steps to get there, focus on small traumas. Tackle those. You don't need to jump to a major trauma right away and say, what did I learn? How did I grow? Like, the one thing that I'll say that's come from this pandemic is I have never had this much damn time with myself. And when you are somebody who constantly runs to the victim to be the hero and you're sitting at home for three months by yourself, the only person that's there to save is you. So my growth has come from literally being forced to not be able to save other people. Mm. And so I would say, like, I've grown through this major pandemic because I can't do my normal coping habits. And we have these daily coping habits that don't work. They don't work on the daily, and it's very clear that they don't work on a pandemic level. And so, you know, what I would say as we're kind of wrapping up here is baby steps. I mean, we if you if you saw What About Bob with, you know, Bill Murray and Richard Dreyfus, like baby steps. Like you're you're in a pandemic understand that you if you do not have good coping habits you're not going to automatic automatically overnight get good coping habits but if you recognize that you don't have good coping habits guess what you're already starting to become aware which means that you need to start becoming accountable to making change it's one thing to recognize that there's a change that needs to be had and be done it's another thing to actually do it. It's kind of like the people who are like, oh, yeah, I need to fix my fence. But it's been like five years and I still haven't fin fixed the damn fence. So on that topic, how about you? Yeah, so it, it's a good statement, some good questions. Um, I think I'm going back to a couple things you said, but... Did you watch, uh, first of all, why are you talking about my coping mechanisms on tape? <laughs> I love Netflix. And one of the shows I've been watching, even with my 11 year, 12 year old now, uh, is Cobra Kai, which is a take from the Karate Kid. Oh, I love the Karate, Karate Kid. kid. <laughs> yeah. well, well, wax on, wax off. Oh, wax on. Oh. Yeah. But the, the thing Daniel about. Son. Daniel Sun. Daniel Sun. 
the thing about the show is there's it's 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 still as if it was the 80s for one of of the uh, principal actors but there's several sayings in it and one of them was a uh, one of the students who's um, above average age he uh, he flipped the script and the in the in the joke is to flip the script and he changed his identity from what it was to what he wanted to be seen and so I think oftentimes we have to flip the script and we have to flip the narrative and one of the mechanisms that helps people flip the script is not only looking at post uh, secondary trauma but post traumatic growth uh, or post traumatic uh, growth that comes from the trauma and when we flip the script we flip the narrative we begin to look at it a little bit differently from being less of a victim I've been victimized mm -hmm. um, to no I'm actually in control of my life and in the mid 90s uh, a professor from UC Charlotte uh, rewrote he began to examine why were people coming from traumatic events and becoming more healthy because they looked at the actual traumatic event differently uh, and they took what they could from the traumatic event to grow themselves and he looked at five specific areas um, how we relate to others how we embrace new possibilities how we have personal strength how we have spiritual change and how we have new appreciation from life from the actual trauma and he began to examine these areas of how people who grew from the actual trauma invest in these areas. And so today we talk a lot about resilience. Uh, in fact, it's one of the, the key words out there. And resilience is the bounce back. But post-traumatic growth is the transformation. And so I would say we have to examine the narrative from the actual area. And, and what you said about micro-traumas. And I think, you know, initially when I grew up, I thought, you know, people who handle things well stored up energy, like a battery. Mm -hmm. I don't think humans work that way. It's not that humans have extra residual power in their backup battery to address a situation because they didn't uh, go through their reserves. They have more reserves. It's more that they have a practicing they, they have a daily practice of healthy ways of engaging the trauma. And that's why I think what you're saying is so important, is that the daily practice allows us, of, of minor traumatic events, allows us not just to build resilience, but gives us an approach that goes beyond coping. Yeah. I love that. Like, so well said. I was making a couple notes while you were chatting. You triggered a few things. And the first one is you're talking about coping. And the way that I can describe this is filter. When you practice on the daily, you learn how to filter. And there's a difference between filter and ignore. Like, 
I'm not talking about a non-permeable permeable surface. I'm talking about semi-permeable surface. So like one thing that I do that's really works for me is I visualize. So I pretend that I'm like sitting down and there's like six baskets around me. And as I start to get these different emotions coming in, I filter them instead of just absorbing them all at once. And I say, okay, like this is an anxiety feeling. This is an overwhelming emotion. I'm gonna put this in this bucket over here. Um, the next thing that's coming through to me is actually like, how do I need to manage the situation? So I'm gonna put that in another bucket over here. And so I'm able to separate a, a rational emotion with actual progress of action. And so, like, practice on the daily has allowed me to learn how to filter. So as I get into a yeah. major trauma, I'm constantly practicing daily how to filter out the BS from the growth. Like, what is those egotistical emotions that are popping up in your head? What are the emotions that actually are positive, that actually resonate growth? So, like... To add to what you're saying, I would say my experience has been I have put in a better filter. I have literally gone from like just your generic disposable mask to like a full-blown respirator. And it's like I know what I'm breathing now. And I know that I'm keeping out the crap that I don't want to breathe. And I'm not saying I don't know it's there. I know it's there. I'm just filtering it out because that's not helpful to the situation. Right. So one, so I know we've said a lot. And so I would ask, do you have a wrap up statement that you would like to make before I sign us off for the day? And if you say no, now you're going to make me look like a jackass. So you better say yes. Well, that being the case, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, uh, I just appreciate I'm I'm still I'm still chewing on things that you said 10 minutes ago and um I'm you know I'm, I'm chewing the cud it's went from one stomach to the other stomach to one other stomach to try to better understand and um I may have to replay this podcast three or four times in order to get uh all the juicy stuff all the meat from this conversation but no I would just say um it's really good to see you. Uh, uh, all that being said, I think, you know, uh, you said what builds awareness. Well, relationship builds awareness, and um, it's just been too long. And so I'm not only enjoying the fact that we're talking about things that are mean for me, I'm just enjoying the fact that this is the first time in six months that we've gotten together and smiled at each other, uh, engaged each other, laughed with each other, talked about things that are very deeply impassionate to our heart. And all I can say right now is I'm just, uh, I'm celebrating the moment. And I hope each and every day our listeners will engage with people they love um, so that they they grow from who they are to who they want to be. Well, my ego is a little flatter, so I love that sign off. And it's really good to see you too, FJ. Like, I mean, there is definitely a difference of being in the same presence versus video. 
and or you know having you call in for a show like being us both physically being here has just been great um and great is an understatement it's just a you know it's just the first word that pops in our head most of the time is you know i'm doing great and so as a sign off or a wrap up what i would say is that pay attention to your baby steps if you feel like this is a mountain get some help ask a friend ask a therapist do some research like don't tackle it on your own i mean have if you don't know how to build a house like do you think you can just build a house no you've got to do research you got to do investment you got to figure out who's going to be there to help you you can't build the whole house by yourself so i think recognizing where your limitations are sometimes is not as easy as it sounds and in order for you to have growth a lot of times situations have to be forced and i know for me to grow into the person that i am now and i'll share this with you and everybody who's listening i didn't realize how low my self-esteem was I always, everyone's like, oh, you're such an energetic person. You're always so happy. You're always inspirational. And what I realized is I inspired everybody except myself at the end of the day. And so becoming more aware has been that first step for me to start combating my minor traumas. And then from there grew into my major traumas. So that when a pandemic like this happens... I don't know what is going to happen tomorrow, but I know where my boundaries are. So it's kind of like you can't control the environment around you, but you can control the environment within you. And so that environment, I've learned how to cope in that internal environment. So whatever is happening around me externally, it's not penetrating. It's not filtering through. So it allows me to have a more genuine response to it. This has been just a great conversation and like I'm going to probably be listening to this one a couple times to, as you said, you know, gnaw on those nuggets of meat there that just, you know, we play back and we resonate. And, you know, I say meditation is great for me, but like a lot of my meditation is watering in the morning, watering the garden, you know, just standing there with a hose. I mean, and instead of paying attention to when I'm finished... And paying attention to what I can do with this time. And so open your eyes. It's not a scary mirror. It's 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 okay. Like you might not like what you see at first, but guess what? You're the person who can change it. So improve awareness, recognize, and then from there you can formulate your own steps to cope with your traumas, whether they're minor or major but what I will say is if you don't grow from them then shame on you you can't go I mean you can it's up to you you want to sit there and bitch in your rocking chair all day go for it but trauma and uncomfortable situations is a time for growth is a time for awareness and it's a time to figure out how to get more comfortable being uncomfortable and with that, thank you for your time. Thank you for your ears. Have a wonderful day.